Good morning, everyone. Wow, this just feels like, this is sacred space. Uh, feels like this is, is unique, uniquely sacred. Uh, I'm campus, campus pastor is my previous title. I sometimes default to it. Chaplain Brian Martin Burkholder and um, curator, if you will, of what happens in the campus worship spaces. I'm delighted that you all are here today and you can see already that this is unique, this is different, what, what we're doing. Um, a contemplative space, a reflective space that's really dr drawing us in around visual, the visual, visual art, the way um, Katie Jo, and she'll be introduced more fully in a minute by our own Cindy Gussler, um, Katie Jo is, is working on a piece inspired out of a theme that we developed together. Now that theme is, um, is from a hymn. Sometimes when Katie Jo is coming into a setting like this, it might be a Christian scripture passage, or there might be, it might be a particular season of the year. We could have said, let's focus on Lent that season of preparing for Easter. Um, instead, I propose the idea of, of using a hymn inspired by my love colors outside the lines. And we'll sing that hymn in just a little bit with some, some support from Benjamin Berge and cha the chamber singers, some of whom I think need to leave right after the song so we understand. And, Sorry about that, but we do understand our schedules. Um, this is a live creation of symbolic sand art as a meditative spiritual practice, an expression of faith. Again, it's inspired by a song from Voices Together, My Love Colors Outside the Lines. Myself, Brian Martin Burkholder, and Lori Yoder, who's here, and Hyun Lee, will offer short reflections later in this presentation, um, each inspired by one of the verses and the chorus of the hymn, the song. Uh, and Will Stutzman, sitting right up here, has prepared um, original music that he will offer throughout the space, ho holding space throughout the service. And thank you for that. You can see already that technology was altered. Uh, thanks to Clay Showalter and others, we are able to see what Katie Joe is doing up on the screens, and that will stay up throughout the service, minus a few, a few points where we need the, the screen or the wall for something else. Now, later today, um, at 3.30, right here in the same space, there will be a We'll learn a little bit more about this meditative art form and see the finished sand art piece. It might be finished after campus worship. In fact, maybe this afternoon, Katie Joe will still be working on it. And if you are around and you want to swing up here and see how it's going, please do. But at 3.30, in addition to hearing more, we'll brush it clean as a practice of embracing impermanence a dissolution ceremony. This is unique as well. This art piece is only for today, only for us, other than if we take photos 
which I think we're encouraged to do. Is that right? Yes, it's allowed permission from the artist. So, um, Cindy, if you would come and introduce us more fully, um, I want to say a bit more. After the introduction, we'll hear from Katie Jo, a little of orientation to this practice. And then we're going to have a couple blocks where it's just quiet with music and we're watching the screen or here. Katie Jo has said, please come forward, come up close. In fact, sit right around, right around her and, and see, uh, see what's happening. I would certainly ask that we not have screens out during this time, resist uh, being on social media or somewhere else or doing homework, and let's just be present for these 50 minutes. And I see some of my students in those back rows, and you really should get close because Seriously, guys. it's a full experience. Get all so the way up here. Just You're not do it enjoy all it from at once. Everybody Come on. just stand up and get move up, up get a few up. Come rows. On. Come on, back row Baptist, let's go. Let's go. Thanks, I can, I'm a Baptist. Jo. I, can say that. I appreciate that. We're, no, I'm, really. not, I'm not introducing her till you move. You guys, get up here. Yep. You. I see you. Yes. In the hat. Yes. You guys. Come on. You can be Mason, in the second row, but seriously, up. come on up. We're not going to start this till you're up here. Come on. Come on. Get up. Up. Oh, isn't that better? Now we so can kind of all be together. If you, if you feel Come the on. need to leave to use the bathroom or get a drink of water, we won't shame you right. for it. Just get close and enjoy when yeah, while yeah. All you the can. Way, if you guys want, want to, in the second row, want to scoot up a little bit, too, so that everybody can get in here. There's two seats. This guy does not smell. You can, and th you, there's one right here, too. Seriously, you guys can come, come on up. It's much more While fun. you're moving, I'd like to introduce our very special guest, our honored member of this circle, Katie Jo Sudeby. She has always loved art, and I'm quoting many of her words from her website right now, which you should visit because she's got a lot of great videos and really interesting information about her work posted there. Katie Jo Sudeby has always loved art, but when she found sand painting, she came home. At an interfaith festival in her hometown of Rochester, New York, which she traveled to hear from, to be here with us today, she was mesmerized as she watched a Tibetan Lama create a large, colorful sand mandala and then brush it away. As with many life-changing moments, she didn't know the significance of what she was experiencing until months later when a personal tragedy left her thinking about the monk and about the message of his art, nothing is permanent. What started as a form of self-administered art therapy eventually became a form of public healing. She taught herself the technique using tools that she made from oil funnels and cake decorating tips. After several years, she got the opportunity to study briefly with several lamas visiting Rochester, New York. It has been over a decade. Katie Jo has traveled to Nepal to learn from monks at a mountain monastery. She has studied the techniques and philosophies of the sand arts from Tibet, China, Japan, India, and several Native American tribes. For Katie Jo, sand painting has become a way of being. Her art has been displayed at the World Parliament of Religions, on various American television channels, and at festivals throughout the United States. 
the Reverend Katie Jo Sudeby is also an ordained pastor in the American Baptist Church. She is a sought-after public speaker and consultant. Recently, her work has begun to help many families who lost loved ones during the pandemic. The art that helped her cope with the unexpected change now helps others process the emotions surrounding impermanence. Today at 12.30, Katie Jo will be visiting my class in the Art Center, and she will be doing a live workshop with you, if you would like to participate with my students, um, creating your own mandala. So if you're interested in joining us, I have room for a couple people. I am physically a bit limited today, so someone can have my jaunting tool. And, um, I, and I think we have at least one student absent. So if you'd like to join and you'd love to have this experience hands-on and hear a little bit more from Katie Jo about her work, come and see me after chapel and we will work you into that workshop. Thanks. Thanks so much for being here, Katie Jo. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. Um, you made me sound really good, so thank you. I, <clears throat> I got to tip this lady at the end. I'm, uh, I sound very professional through her eyes, so I... <laughs> she does, yeah. Every... <laughs> Every perf everyone in education uh, accepts tips, believe you me. Um, so yeah, I've been doing this for 12 years, and it is one of the oldest forms of art therapy in the world, developed um, in the monasteries of Tibet by Tibetan Buddhist monks. And the only reason that we know about it as Westerners is actually because of tragedy. Um, they did it in secret for most of the, the history of Tibetan Buddhism as just a form of meditation for themselves. <clears throat> and then in the 50s, when communist China came in and uh, took over, they tried to eradicate the Tibetan Buddhist form of religion, painted over a lot of their um, beautiful artworks, killed a lot of the older monks, and sent people into exile, um, trying to eradicate both their religion and their culture. Even today, um, you can't practice Tibetan Buddhist sand art in Tibet, which is why I went to Nepal to learn it. Um, the Dalai Lama was so worried that this art form would die because so many of the older monks weren't able to make it into exile physically that he gave them permission to start doing it publicly and told them to, um, you know, to do this out in public and, and tell people about the plight of Tibet and so I do this with a lot of respect that religious persecution is what made it so that Westerners even heard about this. Um, and as an American Christian pastor and a white person, I try real hard not to uh, culturally appropriate. The, the monks that taught me this said, you can do this, this art if you use your symbols, not ours, because theirs are sacred to them. If you keep a pure heart, um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll just, no problem. <clears throat> um, if, if you don't keep it, um, and if you remind people that Tibet is still not free, and so um, still, uh, you know, Tibet doesn't have any oil, so America didn't uh, 
intervene and try to try to help them out and get a little idea of my political uh, bent. But um, but Tibetan Buddhism is thriving, much like a, a diamond under pressure. Um, Tibetan Buddhism now is spread all over the world, and in all the countries that they have flee fled to, um, people not just Westerners, but you know, people in India and Nepal and um, other places around the world are realizing the beauty of Tibetan Buddhism. I like to think myself as a professional Christian and baby Buddhist, um, so I I can do both, um, like a like a Christian cake with some Buddhist frosting on top. Um, if you're wondering what's happening here, just so I can give you an idea of the the technique. Um, so this is called a chock purr, uh, like chock full of nuts and the sound a cat makes, chock purr. Um, and it's just the Tibetan word for funnel. The color that I'm using is um, inside of it, and the vibration is what controls how much comes out at a time. Um, <clears throat> so you can paint with it. Nothing sticks this to the glass. Um, I do a sketch ahead of time so I know where I am. But it just stays there, which is why my sign says don't sneeze. Um, You'd have to sneeze pretty hard from the distance that you're at, so it's okay. If I sneeze, it's, it's done. But, um, but I'll be working on this throughout the day, and then, as they said, at 3.30, we'll brush it away. Um, I love this art form because it um, takes the pressure off of having to be good enough to sell it or, you know, where are you going to store it in your mom's attic forever and ever. Um, I still have artwork stored in my mom's attic. I'm 40 years old, <laughs> you know. But um, when I when I saw this, I was like, "Oh, it's great! It's just the process, and it's just about enjoying the feel of the sand, the cool sound that this makes. That kind of reminds me of cicadas. And you can take pictures. The monks take pictures, so I, they, you know, they say it's okay. Um, but as someone who's dropped their phone in a toilet, even pictures are um, impermanent. So it's just uh, just the nature of life that you do have to let go. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to spend a couple minutes without me talking um, while I do this. Feel free to just enjoy um, enjoy what's happening. And if you've got like questions and stuff, we can do those later. Let them just hang out in your mind for now. Um, just enjoy some of Will's music and. Uh, and watch this take shape. And like I said, if you can't see, please do come up. It's it's totally cool.
And as the art continues, uh, we are going to sort of get into the mind of this hymn as of the inspiration by singing it together. So this is in Voices Together. It's number 582, which you'll see on the screen. And just to introduce the piece uh, briefly, uh, it was written by a bishop, Gordon Light. And uh, he says about this piece, um, in terms of what inspired him to write it. Outside the lines came to birth when his spouse, the Reverend Barbara Liotskos, and I were having invited, were invited to be interviewed by someone doing research on clergy couples. I recall in the interview someone saying something about Barb being a person who colored outside the lines, while I was much more tradition-bound, much to my chagrin. The song came quickly when it dawned on me that, of course, Jesus was one who colored outside the lines. Think of a young child who has a coloring book and pictures bounded by big black lines. They pay little attention to the lines and go for the colors. And uh, many of the, much of the text comes from scriptural allusions and inspiration. And although um, some of the questions that it can bring for communities uh, and communities of faith to ponder on what it applies and means to them. Um, some were different, of course, back in Jesus' time, um, but the, the call to consider these questions that a text like this brings up is still um, important. So I'd invite the um, uh, few Chamber Singers members who are here to uh, come up and help lead this song as it's new for many people, and we will sing this together. Uh, yeah, just up towards the mic on the stage would be great. Yeah. 
So as Katie Jo continues, three of us will offer some reflections. Just things that, that drew us or maybe connected with us, inspired us from each of the verses of the song, My Love Colors Outside the Lines. And we'll leave a minute or so in between each one, continuing to hold the reflective space. And after we're finished, we'll leave a, another few minutes and then we'll hear from Katie Jo again, a little bit more maybe about the image that she's working with. Verse one, my love colors outside the lines, exploring paths that few could ever find and takes me into places where I've never been before and opens doors to worlds outside the lines. We'll never walk on water if we're not prepared to drown. Body and soul need a soaking from time to time. And we'll never move the gravestones if we're not prepared to die and realize there are worlds outside the lines. I'm an oldest son in a family of three children, and I don't recall ever really wanting to color outside the lines. <laughs> the solid black lines on the coloring book pictures seem to impose an expectation to color within the lines, and I guess I, I complied for the most part. Cultures like that sometimes. I do recall enjoying finger painting, which had a wildness and a freedom to it. So maybe for me, it's easier to color outside the lines when there are no lines. This idea of God's love, Jesus' love, a spirit's love, coloring outside the lines reminds me of the difference between practicing a bounded set or a centered set approach to faithfulness approach to relationship with others, within cultures like the church or faith communities maybe. Now some faith communities create clear boundaries, expectations for their members so people know clearly when they are in or out of bounds. The energy of a bounded set is focused on keeping the boundaries clear the rules, the expectations, the guidelines, the norms and values and ethics are all set. And faithfulness is expressed within these bounds, but not beyond these bounds. Different from that is a centered set approach. One's faithfulness is centered for Christians on Jesus. To put it another way, Jesus is the center and we tether ourselves to Jesus. Jesus is the center post, the orientation. There's no clear boundary as to what is permissible and what is not. Instead, the focus is on who Jesus is and what it means to follow Jesus no matter where one is or with whom one is relating. It's been said that it's surprising where one might go or with whom one might relate or how one might live when they're tethered to Jesus as the center, their focus, their filter, their inspiration. A centered set approach to faithfulness seems like coloring outside the lines. 
since the practice is keeping Jesus central in all activities and relationships rather than focusing on rules and boundaries or clear lines in a more limiting way. With a centered approach, one can indeed explore various pathways, go into new and fresh places and open doors for, Jesus, for exploring. It makes me wonder, what needs to die within me or within us to genuinely free us to color outside the lines in the love of God and faithfulness to Jesus? What fresh approaches to our faithfulness might be embraced to offer more freedom in reflecting and expressing the fullness of God's love? A love that colors outside the lines. Verse 2, my Lord colors outside the lines, turns wounds to blessings, water into wine, and takes me into places where I've never been before, and opens doors to worlds outside the lines. Wounds to blessings, water to wine. I'm a chemist. Many of you know that I love to teach with, with models. I find it satisfying to capture a, a simple co concept, or sorry, to capture a concept using a simple model that can help us remember and use that concept to solve problems. So when I bring out my models to demonstrate water into wine, it seems like I should be able to use my knowledge of chemistry to change these bonds into these and somehow have this explanation. We'll understand how Jesus transformed this into this. A miracle, saving his neighbor's wedding celebration by, by turning this plain old water into celebratory ethanol. 
how in the world? Models in any discipline, not just chemistry, can help us understand a concept by simplifying it, reducing it to its bare essentials, setting clear guidelines, drawing clear lines, making rules even. Now models like this can help us describe like what water is, you know, it's polarity, electronegativity, solubility, all this stuff. But, and, and these rules give us power to make predictions, solve problems, and, and even give us a feeling of control over our environment. But ultimately, models break down. As we like to say in my class, all models are wrong. When we apply a simple model to a complex system, the lines we thought were clear become blurred, maybe even disappear. The guidelines of a simple model may no longer apply and might even give us wrong predictions. Best case scenario, when this happens, we take a step back, we examine our assumptions, and we acknowledge that the simple model just doesn't apply here. When simple models fail, to me, this is an invitation to enter into mystery. Really, if I had what it takes to completely model the world, to describe and predict how and when that water would change into wine, would that bring me hope? Would it bring us life? I suspect not. The mystery that exists in the blurring of the so-called lines is where I find hope. Where would the hope be if I were limited to reducing creation just down to its parts? its physical parts. Where would the love of God dwell if not in the blurry lines of our questions and our fears? How can I experience the healing touch of Jesus except in the surprising, model-defying blessing that comes from a wound? I want to be a part of that love, part of that blessing, freely given by God and revealed in Jesus. I want to keep using models that are helpful. I also want to discover where the lines become blurry or even disappear. Will you join me as we look beyond simple assumptions and explore that space where mystery is the key and where hope is found? Water into wine. I don't have an explanation for that. I don't need a model for that except Jesus, who opens doors to worlds outside the lines.
Verse 3 My soul longs to color outside the lines. Tear back the curtains, sun, come in and shine. I want to walk beyond the boundaries where I've never been before. Throw open doors to worlds outside the lines. We never walk on water if we are not prepared to drown. Body and soul need a soaking from time to time. And we will never move the gravestones if we are not prepared to die. And realize there are words outside the lines. This verse speaks to us of the desire to explore, to push the boundaries of what we know, and to take risks in order to discover something new. It speaks to the courage it takes to venture into the unknown and to bravely step outside of our comfort zones. It encourages us to embrace the uncertainty and to take a chance to discover something we may have never seen before. It also reminds us to look for opportunities to change ourselves and to grow both personally and professionally. There are several tips to help us to experience that go beyond. First, we should seek out diverse perspectives to explore words outside the lines. It's important to seek out perspectives that differ from our own. This might mean reading books by authors from different cultures, watching movies or TV shows that depict different ways of life or talking to people with different backgrounds and experiences. We should try new things to expand our horizons and experience new worlds. It's important to try new things. This might mean thing, uh, trying new foods, learning a new language, or participating uh, in a new activity or hobby. We should be open-minded. When exploring new worlds, it is important to be open-minded and receptive to new ideas and experiences. We shouldn't be afraid to challenge our own beliefs and assumptions and be willing to learn from others. We should embrace creativity to explore worlds outside the lines. It can be helpful to embrace creativity and think outside the box. This might mean pursuing artistic endeavors, exploring alternative forms of expression, or experimenting with new ways of thinking and problem solving. Finally, we should step outside our comfort zone and take risks. This might mean traveling to a new place, trying a new activity that scares us or taking a chance on a new relationship or opportunity. This reflection is generated from AI chatbot and modified by Juhyun Lee.
great. Why is she drawing birds? Maybe a question. Maybe not. I often uh, find all sorts of interesting messages from God when I'm reading about like nerdy science things. Um, <clears throat> and one thing that scientists have fairly recently discovered or fairly recently accepted might be a, a better way to put it is that um, the number of colors in the spectrum that we can see is limited compared to the number of colors in the spectrum that birds can see. And so you may remember from science class that we have rods and cones in our eyes and the cones are what allow us to see color. And our long, medium, and short cones correspond to I'm going to get nerdy for a second. I'll come back to these birds, I really promise. Um, the, the long, medium, and short cones are what allows us to see the long one is red, and the medium is sort of into the, uh, into the blue, or sorry, red, yellow, blue, yes. Um, medium's the yellow, and then the, the short one is the blue. And birds have another one so that they can see ultraviolet. Um, that part past purple that we can't see because um, our eyes just can't process that color. And so um, everybody thinks, I assume, uh, that when we look at a crow, we are seeing what color it is. Crows are black, so are ravens and grackles and other blackbirds. Um, but it turns out that when the birds see each other, they are all sorts of iridescent, bright, ridiculous, flamboyant purples and like ultra purples in colors that we can't even see. And so, so when they look at each other, you know, thinking about mating and all that stuff, they're hot to try like a toucan would be. But all we can see is black because we can't see ultraviolet. Um, and uh, it's kind of interesting that to convince myself that blackbirds are not black um, takes quite a bit of mental effort. Um, when scientists were studying what animals could see what colors, they at first of course, we base everything on ourselves, right? Everybody must see like us, and if they can't see like us, maybe they can see a little worse, like dogs can't see color. Turns out dogs can see color. They can just only see blues and yellows, nothing in the red and off into the, into the purple. So if your dog's toy is the blue one that's his favorite, that's why. Um, and similarly, like elephants can see mostly in the yellow and green, um, areas, which makes sense since that's what they eat is yellow and green things. But when they discovered that mice could see into the ultraviolet, even though we can't, scientists were like, well, we didn't think any mammals could do this, but I, I guess maybe just small mammals can see ultraviolet, um, but it must be unusual and weird. And then, then they tested bigger mammals and it turns out that we are the weird ones because most animals can see into the ultraviolet and into the ultra red like spectrum way beyond what we can see 
and because of how like math and physics works, it's not just that there's two more colors on either end of the spectrum, it's that there's a multiplying effect of like sort of a, a 3D color, thick colors that we can't imagine, that we, our brains would never be able to name or even like think about because we've never seen these tens of thousands of colors that their eyes see every day. Um, and so as I was thinking about the theme for this little chapel, um, I thought of the verse that's like, God can do more than we can even ask or imagine. And I thought, I, I generally ask and imagine things that are within my imagination because that's all I've got, right? <laughs> and thinking of God can do more than that, like, I think I'm probably thinking of the equivalent of just another shade of blue or purple instead of a whole spectrum that I've never been able to see before. Um, and finding God or allowing God to be, because crows are already bright, ridiculously beautiful, flamboyant, iridescent colors, right? It's not, it doesn't matter if I accept it or not. That's what color crows are to each other when they look at each other. I like these two little crows because they're like kind of cuddling. They're, they're lovey. They appreciate each other's colors. And I can't see it, but knowing that it's there helps me imagine a little bit more. Um, and so, so it is with God who can see way more than we can see in realms that we can't even imagine, in possibilities that aren't e we don't even have words for, or, or rods, or cones, or brain cells for. Um, and yet, um, as human beings expand their knowledge of things big like space and small like atoms and quarks, um, there's God everywhere being in places that we didn't think existed before, knowing things that we didn't, didn't know, and not basing anything off of our standard. Even though we would love to think that, you know, God is most like us. Certainly God is more like us than like a blackbird, right? Maybe. And yet, with no regard for what we care about in our self-centered universe, God has made all sorts of colors that we can't even see. That's a whole different world. Similarly, there's like bats who do things by sound and echolocation, something that we tend not to. There's all sorts of, like, salmon have the equivalent of taste buds all over their body so they can taste in the water the direction that food is from. Can you imagine, like, being in a bath of chocolate and you can taste it with every cell of your body? Like, how great would that be, right? But that's the life of a salmon all the time, and we think of taste as just one place, just, you know, sweet, bitter, salt, umami. Umami's my favorite. And somehow, a simple salmon with a brain smaller than a walnut can taste more and more complex than we ever could. Who knows if my brain will ever catch up to just how amazing the world around us is and just how many places God has, like, hidden amazing beauty 
and messages. Um, but I'm working on opening up to all of those possibilities. And so that is why I've got a, uh, a very narrow visual range of what we can see, and this will take shape more, and then the wider world of, that's beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. And thank you, thank you, thank you. So this artwork continues. Our campus worship comes to a close. Um, if you would like to, if you're eating lunch between 11.30 and 12.30 in the CAF, uh, you will, might find Katie Jo in there, and I hope that you'll sit and join and, and chat a little bit. See Cindy if you'd like to be one of the few people who can join the, the watercolor class, I think it is. Today it is sand painting, 12.30, and back here at 3.30, for the closing um, dissolution ceremony. That's only about 30 minutes max. Don't be late. Don't be late, this but be we gone. won't be here long. <laughs> Linger if you wish. It's also free to go. Thank you. Blessings.